I'm going to begin reading verse 37 of the book of Matthew chapter 23. Read down through into chapter 8 or 24 to verse 8. And I'll, I'll do my best to give you the setting of both of these chapters, what I'm reading and why. Now, look, I, I'm in no hurry. I don't have to go home to anybody. I don't have to take anybody to dinner today. No, I'm just kidding. I'll get you out of here in a little bit. Like I say, Josh has done told me they're going to have this evening if I want it, but we'll see how far I get. Jesus cried, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how oft would I have gathered thy children together as the hen gathereth her chicks under her wings, and ye would not. Listen how sad this is. No wonder he lamented. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till you say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to shew him the buildings of the temple. Actually, when we read all three of the synoptic gospel accounts, we'll find it's Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And Jesus said unto them to show unto them. Let me start over in verse 1 because I don't know how much of a God. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to shew him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Three things, three questions, three desires. Tell us when shall these things be, meaning the destruction of Jerusalem. Luke 21 records the destruction of Jerusalem. Matthew 24 records the answer to the second and third request that Jesus had. And we're not going to exhaust those. We're not going to deal much with them. We'll deal with the first one to some degree because it fits this message. Tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world or the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Deception is one of the greatest words of the end time. Paul tells us in the book of 2 Timothy 3 that in the last days when perilous times would come, listen folks, perilous times has come, he said there would be deceivers that would be deceiving people. They would increase. They have and they are. So take heed that no man deceive you because many men will try. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You share of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I like that little word, yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse or diverse places. And all of these are the beginning of sorrows or birth pains. Father, we're thankful. Thankful for the privilege of being in this place, for the 
uh, the Word of God that's been taught, the fellowship that has been had, the praise that has been offered, the songs that have been sung. We're glad to know that we're in your presence. We thank you. Thank you for this, uh, this facility where we can gather at a stated place for a stated reason at a stated time, and that is to worship you in spirit and in truth and help us to do that today. Oh, God, how I need your unction, how I need that anointing, how I need your touch on my lips and on my mind and on this body. I pray, God, that you would enable me, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, to, uh, to edify your people. May I set forth this message in a simple manner that's understandable, God, that will glorify you and edify your people. And, Father, if there's a lost among us, convince them not me, but the Holy Spirit through me, the Word of God from me. God convinced them that they need Jesus today. Save the lost, edify your people, glorify your name. We give you the praise and glory for it all. For we ask it in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said. I want to draw our attention back to verse 7 of chapter 24. And in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, that's what this is, chapter 24 and 25, is known or named by theologians as the Sermon on the Mount because he was seated on the Mount of Olives talking to his apostles and, and giving them a message, giving them what is also known as a discourse. There are others, I don't even take time to mention them, but this is one of the most outstanding. You say, why, preacher? Because it tells us what's going to happen preceding the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes back, as he promised he would, to planet earth, to rule and reign from the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem over his kingdom for a thousand years. And I say glory to God. This is not, speaking of the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church comes at least seven years, and I believe as many as ten years before this happens. And there are some things that parallel the days before the coming of Christ to snatch the church away as well as when he comes in his revelation to where every eye shall see him because of the rapture, not everyone will, only the church, and that's those that have been blood-washed and blood-bought, meaning those that have been saved by the grace of God. Now let me say this. Some of this may be deep, especially for you young ones. But I got a sneaking suspicion the Spirit of God is able to feed you with a bottle, milk out of this, if we just trust Him. All right? Okay. So y'all pray. I've prayed and am praying. But listen, I believe with all of my heart, friend, we're living in the last days of the church age. Matter of fact, you said amen to that last week. I believe that the sun is sitting on the age of the dispensation of grace. I believe with all of my heart that just like the song says, uh, because the Word of God says, uh, just any day now, our Lord is coming. And I believe He's coming. And when He does, it'll be soon. It'll be selective. It'll be, it'll be sudden because it's sure. But as we begin this message, and I've got to slow down, uh, 
Y'all couldn't imagine what's going on in his heart and in his mind. All the things I want to tell you. Look at where it begins in verse 37 of chapter 23, where Jesus in the court of the temple, having, having repetitively pronounced woes to the greatest religious sect in the nation of Israel, the Pharisees, when he really had called them out in chapter 22 and in chapter 23, before he departed that setting on Mount Moriah from the temple area, before he crossed the Kedron Valley and rent up uh, and ascended up the Mount of Olives to find himself a place to sit to where he could look over at the temple mount, he lamented the city of Jerusalem. And he cried and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. When he was ready to enter in on the day of his uh, um, public uh, declaration that uh, he was God manifest in the flesh, that he was the king of Israel on Palm Sunday when he rode into Jerusalem a week before his crucifixion. And they cried, Hosanna, when he was sitting on the apex of Mount Olivet, ready to make his ascent. On the back of that mule, that donkey, he cried. He wept, the word of God says, for that city you say, why? The verse below tells us, he said, behold, your city is left to you desolate. Now that city may not mean much to you and I today, but it should if you're saved. Say amen right there. But it is the place that God, according to the 2 Chronicles 6 and 6 says, He chose out of all the tribes of Israel, out of all the cities of the world, to place His name and to manifest His presence to the children of Israel. It is from that place that God brought all the nations of the world like he did the queen of Sheba to Jerusalem and to the temple and to the men that represented him there so that they could know the one true God. And it's from that very city from which the gospel, the good news to every man, sinners that don't deserve to be saved but need to be saved have been sent the good news of the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the message of salvation by grace through faith, free to whosoever will. A pretty major city, a city that Ezekiel 5, 5 says is in the center of all their neighbors that surround them. Jerusalem is the navel of the universe, if you will. Israel is the center of the universe, that the city of Jerusalem and specifically Mount Moriah, the place of the Temple Mount, it is the navel of it all. I just find that remarkable. Isn't the Word of God great? All the great stuff that, hey, can I encourage y'all to do something? Can, can I encourage you all to, to hit send on your Facebook page when you go home or if you're watching on Facebook, think of somebody to send this to? Would you do that? Would y'all do that? I'd appreciate it. Maybe nobody wants to hear me. You might not want to after you, after you live, hear the rest of this, but I believe God's going to do something with it. Hey, folks, perilous times are here. 
I've already said that once. It may say it again, but I believe that uh, that we're just living up right next door, if you will, uh, to Jesus coming off the throne, stomping out in the cloud with a shout, uh, with the trump of God, and calling the church home. Can I tell you all, if there's a sinner here, nothing stands between the second coming of Christ for the church. No prophecy, no word in the Bible except his mercy that he wants to see people saved. And wouldn't it be amazing if at Rocks, Atlanta, on October the 22nd, 2023, the last individual gets saved, you kneel down, and before you can stand up, after you said, God, I trust you as my Savior, we're gone. Wouldn't that be glorious? Now, if that would happen, sinner friend, what little bit of money I've got in my pocket And my credit cards, you can have them and just spend all you want, you hear me, after I'm gone. All right? All right. You can have them. But look, I believe there are two things that we need from this message. Everybody in here saved, say amen. Amen. You looking on ought to say the same. And if you're at home and you could be there, shame on you. You need this message. I'm going to get on you a little bit, and I'm going to go on. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to. If you could have been here this week, and you didn't darken the doors tonight, and there is really no good reason except you chose not to or let something else take precedence. We make choices. You need to hear this message. Here's the first part of it. Number one, if that's you, you need to wake up. That's what Paul told the Romans. It is high time that we awake out of this sleep. If you don't come on Sunday night, Wednesday night, you need this message. Because we ought not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I'm telling you, it's approaching quickly. I've got Bible for that word, quickly. And number two, if you're lost and undone, if you're just simply, listen, uh, uh, not say, you need to wake up. You need to wake up yourself and get it. And if those of us that are saved and stirred up and been revived, y'all know what we need to do? We need to just simply look up. Head man, he's coming soon, friend. Now look, 15 days ago, Hamas, as you all know, a group of Palestinians invaded the nation of Israel. And can I tell you what their desire is? It is not to create a two-state solution for the issue of Palestine and Israel in the Holy Land. Everybody heard me say that? Say amen. If you read the charter of Hamas, their charter says that their desire and purpose for existing is to not cohabitate peacefully, but to totally annihilate the nation of Israel, all the Jews. They are a terrorist group. They 
are Iranian funded and our uh, glorious president had just recently sent them $8 billion. And Iran is the place where terrorists of all sorts, even Hezbollah as well as ISIS and the others, get their training. Y'all okay? Some of you looking a little pale right now. Can I, can I tell you what? It's amazing how the news outlets and media portray what's going on in Israel. There have been 14,000 Israelis killed. There has been, uh, where's my numbers at? 4,600 injured, 212 taken hostage, some of those even Americans. Now notice, that's how it was written in a news account. But when it comes to Gazites, you know, what, you know what they said? It's amazing to me how they, how they changed that. Now they've had a greater number that has been slain. I don't see my numbers. 4,600 maybe. 13,000 maybe. I can't find my numbers. I'll write notes and you ought to say I'll write and then you'd understand. Um, but you know what they did? They had said that, that, that uh, those 4,600 that had been killed, they didn't just put them as, you know, people from Gaza. They said women and children. Are y'all getting this? 14,000 in Israel, but women and children. Well, let me tell you what they did to the women and children 14 days ago when they invaded cities around about Gaza. They raped the women and the children and killed the babies. And after they did, they decapitated several of them. Are y'all listening? I, I, I like what B.B. Netanyahu said. Thank God for B.B. Netanyahu. He said, we are going to change the face of the Middle East. And that is the statement that brought me back under the prompting of the Holy Spirit to this message. Last week I made a statement about Psalm 83, and we'll go to that shortly here in just a little bit. And I said, I believe that the nations that are listed in Psalm 83 were the nations that David and Solomon whooped up on that bordered, bordered the nation of Israel. I believe that Psalm now not only has a historic fulfillment, I don't only believe that it, that it was historical, because I believe it is. And there are difference of opinion on this, and I'm privileged to have my own opinion like everybody else. I believe it's prophetic. I believe it's not only historical, but also prophetical. Now listen to what I'm going to say. Now listen. How far have I jumped ahead, Lord? Well, I've got to continue with it regardless. I believe with all of my heart that before, and we'll get here, don't, don't let it worry you, a lot of information, don't feel inundated. Before we get to the war of Ezekiel 38 and 39, there has to be a war-like, everybody heard me say war-like, say amen, what is recorded in Psalm 83 
that involves the border nations of the nation of Israel before, before Ezekiel 38 and 39, that war can be fought. Is that clear? You may got any problem with that. Now, whether or not this war is that war, I'm not saying that. But I am saying it could very well be. The only nations that are in war against Israel right now is Hezbollah to the north in Lebanon, Syria to the northeast. They're involved. How many of y'all knew that Israel bombed the airport in Damascus because they were bringing in supplies to Hezbollah Hezbollah and uh, the Gazites through Syria? One person raised their hand at that. Two. To the three. Four. Five. Anybody else? Do I hear seven, 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 seven? How about an eight? Do I hear an eight, eight, eight? How about a nine, nine? How about a nine, a ten? I, you know, it's all, it's all first time I ever did any auctioneer, and I don't like it either. Don't like it at all. To the east, we have Jordan. To the south, we have Egypt. To the southwest, we have Gaza. I'm going to repeat what I said. When, when under the British uh, mandate, they begin to break up the Middle East and try to decide who would uh, get what parts of the land. Do you know when they tried to give Gaza to Egypt, Egypt said, I don't want those idiots. That's history. You can read it. So guess who had to take them? Who has to put up with them? And who gets blamed for all their problems? Do you all know without Israel, wouldn't have any power? Y'all realize that? Without Israel, they, they couldn't burn their lights. Couldn't, couldn't, could, that they, they wouldn't have any gas coming in there. Matter of fact, they wouldn't be able to eat. I, I'm telling you. And yet Israel gets condemned every time, even when they're trying to uh, protect themselves under war conditions. Let's see, where's that going with that? I'll come back, what? Surrounded, thank you. So there's going to be a war to where all of the nations, B.B. said, I'm going to change, quote, the face of the Middle East, unquote. Listen, listen. If this is that war, if, if they get rid of these people, folks, Bless God, it's going home time. Now, for you that are saved, that ought to make you itch in the deepest part of your heart. If you're lost, it ought to scare the bejeebies out of you. I don't know if it'll happen this time, but trust me, one time it's going to. Y'all praying? Folks, I'm a, I am what is known as a Christian Zionist. How many of you know what that is? Raise your hand. One, two. I hear three, four. We're not going through that again. You know what? I didn't know I was until one year I visited Israel. I carried on something where I could read during that long flight across the Atlantic to the David Ben-Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. Long flight. 
And I had an Israel My Glory magazine, and I had it showing. Look, I told, look, when, when I went, I was dumber to a box of rocks. I mean, I, I, I've learned so much. I've got so much to learn. I had that magazine turned to where the front of the magazine was out, Israel, my glory, and there was a headline on it. Some, I don't remember if it was Christian Zionist, but it had to do with Zionists. And I was sitting across the aisle from a guy. We, we were getting ready to touch down in Israel. He looked over at me, and he was grinning from ear to ear. I didn't know a word that he could speak. He couldn't understand a word that I spoke because he spoke in Hebrew, and I speak in, well, some people call it English. I'm not quite sure. And uh, he was pointing, and he was grinning from ear to ear. I'm thinking, why did he get happy over that? I had no idea what it was, and I was one. I was a Christian Zionist before I knew what one was or is, whichever is proper. If you're from Boone County, either one of them is proper. Um, you know what that means? It means simply this. Now, I told you last week, and I'm going to repeat it again intentionally. I have a biblical worldview of what's going on in the world. My view of the world is not fashioned or shaped by what's going on in society. In fact, I believe we'd be better off if this woke bunch would go back to sleep. I knew I'd get a good amen out of that. I mean, I had no idea what being a Christian Zionist was. But I have a biblical worldview of all the events, and especially the events that's going on in Israel. The Bible speaks, I believe it. I try to preach what it has spoken for millennium. I've not changed from what the sages and the ancients of our faith, from whether it be Judeo-Christianity, which we are, or Judaism, from which Judeo-Christianity is birthed. I believe the Bible. I've not got a political agenda to ride or, or to promote, although I preach on politics, and y'all know that without apology. I'm real upset with the Republicans in Congress that need to do something, get some wisdom about them, actually. But that's another message altogether. But I believe this. I believe that God gave in a covenant to Israel through Abraham and his seed, the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, forever. It was never Palestine's. It was never the Muslims. It was God's, and he saw fit to grant it to Israel. You know what? That finishes as far as I'm concerned. It's a done deal. It's theirs to keep. Newsflash, God's not an Indian giver. God's not an Indian giver. I believe that Jerusalem belongs to the Jew and the descendants of Abraham through a son by the name of Isaac and not Ishmael. Is that clear enough? Now, I want to tell you how good God is. Because Ishmael was Abraham's son. God has blessed him mightily. They're the richest bunch on the face of the earth. All those shawls of Iran. 
They got deep wells and deep pockets, right? What, what, what would Jed Clampett say? Black gold. I can't remember the other phrase. Texas tea, thank you. Man, that's funny that he come, they had him coming from Tennessee. But Texas tea, isn't that amazing? Genesis 12 records the promise. It's repeated, I believe, and I'm just going to memory really quick, in chapter 15 of Genesis, chapter 17, chapter 21, I believe it is, of Genesis. Do you know what? God also uh, uh, um, reiterated it to Jacob and to Isaac. Y'all got that, don't you? The land belongs to God's chosen elect people, the nation of Israel. And I told you already, turn with me quickly. I'm I'm in no hurry. Sorry, Josh. You can just rest tonight. Is that all right? Now listen, please come back for tonight because I've, I've got something to help you with when we get to the end of this message, okay? I've got four points that'll help us through this. Hey, folks, it's one of the most exciting times I've ever seen. I've been praying about and longing to go in the rapture. And I'm getting so old, it's questionable now. But wait just a minute. Okay, old you are. You could die in a heartbeat. I told somebody, whoever preaches my funeral, to tell whoever comes, if anybody does, that he was surprised. And you say, well, what do you mean? They said, what do you mean tell them you were surprised? You tell them I'm surprised I didn't go into rapture. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 6, read this with me. Let's turn really, really quickly. Second Chronicles chapter 6, I, I love it. I'll just make reference to the reference from whence uh, this came or that's attached to this. But Second Chronicles chapter 6, listen to this. Second Chronicles, after First Chronicles. <laughs> I had that one figured out. He said, but, listen to this. This is God talking. I have chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there. I mean, back over in the book of Deuteronomy, they, they wondered about where God was going to place his name. And he said, I'll, I'll decide. He said, I've got a place for it. Hey, it's going to be Jerusalem. Y'all know why we're in the war? I'm not giving y'all my text yet, have I? Y'all know why we're in the war that the nation of Israel against Hamas is today? It's because it's a spiritual war been playing out in life. I mean, to tell us what's behind this, it's a spiritual issue against God's will and Satan's will. Satan, listen, wants to destroy the nation of Israel. He thinks if he can destroy the nation of Israel that he'll thwart God's plan or prove God to be a liar. But can I tell you something? God's made an eternal promise to the nation of Israel. God has made an eternal promise to Israel that cannot and will not be altered. God has declared it, and no thing or no one can alter it and make it void, not even Satan and all the demons of hell. Although they've tried and are trying, God said, I'll bring, I'll make my name be known there. I'm going to tell you what, friend, according to the Word of God, 
The Word of God and the God of the Word is authority enough for me. Now, there's not only a war going on in Israel with Hamas, but there's a war going on in America. If y'all agree with that, say amen. So here's the text. Two wars, Israel's and America's. You say, preacher, nobody's shooting bullets. No, but I'm telling you, it's severe. I'll not get to it this morning. I'll have to quit. I'll give you a hint of what it is before I go. But there's a war that's being raged. How many of y'all would agree with me that you've never seen a time like this? How many of you feel like in some ways you, you, you may not be able to explain it, describe it, maybe you didn't even know it, maybe when I say this you'll say, ah, oh, that's what that is. How many of you feel like you're just under a, a weight, a constant battle, a, 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 an oppression, or just a, a, a uh, effort, it takes an effort just to, to get along and even get normal things done sometime? Anybody feel like that? Can I tell you what that is? It's the spiritual battle that we are in. Today, it's not coming. Friend, it's here. It is. It is raging. Let me give you this. In verse 37 and 8 of chapter 23, Jesus used the word desolate desolate means to lay waste I tried to find a reference I have in my mind I don't, I don't know since I couldn't find it I don't know whether it was connected with something else but I thought I read somewhere that when Titus destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD and Jesus saw that Jesus knew that. He knew what was going to happen to that city. He knew what was going to happen to his people. He knew that when Rome brought, what was it, six legions maybe against Jerusalem, he knew the outcome. He knew the destruction. And he knew that the children of Israel would be, would be dispersed in all the world under what is known as the diaspora. For better than 1,900 years, almost 2,000. No wonder he wept. No wonder that he wept. But can you imagine Jesus talking about that? And can you imagine after all of those years, on May 14, 1948, one of the greatest miracles in modern times that's happened was for the first time in over 1900 years, under the leadership of David Ben-Gur, they hoisted the star of David and they declared Israel. See, I'm about to shout out of my skin. They declared Israel to be once again an independent, sovereign state. Now, I say glory to God about that. You're talking about an amazing prophecy being fulfilled. Another one was soon to come. The week of June the 7th, 1967. Israel didn't start it. The neighboring Arabs started it. They came against the nation of Israel in a war. And in six days, 
on June the 7th, paratroopers, uh, they, they uh, come floating in. That day, they made it all the way to the western wall and to Mount Moriah. And for the first time in almost 2,000 years, reclaim Jerusalem as their capital. Now, folks, that's important. Y'all not nearly as happy about that as you should be. I think it's when God pulled the, pulled the alarm clock out, the prophetic alarm clock out on the nation of Israel again. I believe that followed my heart. And from that time to this, you know what's happened in the nation of Israel. So here's what I'm going to preach about tonight, the good Lord willing. And I rarely tell you this. I'm going to preach about the eight that I can see clearly enough. I'm going to do some more study. If I can see the ninth one, I'll tell you the ninth. But I'm going to preach about the eight wars of the end time. How many of you knew there were eight or nine? Say amen. One of you did? Anybody else? Pretty amazing, is it not? We'll not go too deep. I'll give you what's commonly referred to, what they're commonly referred to as being. But listen to me, unsaved. Oh, dear God, unsaved, if you're here today, anybody unsaved, you don't want to be here when the church is gone. Let me tell you this. When the seals of the book that Jesus gets out of the hand of him that sat on the throne, we read in chapter 5 of the book of the Revelation, which begins the tribulation period, that seven-year period of time when hell literally breaks loose on planet Earth. A week of prophecy that Daniel titles, the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy, God titles it that. It's a time when Jesus said himself in Matthew 24, like no other time on planet earth has been or ever will be. It is a time when the first four seals of that book of the Revelation that precedes seven trumpets and seven vials, when those first four seals are open, the population on planet earth will reduce by one quarter. Hey, hey, I wouldn't want to be here if I was you. Can I tell you all why I got saved? I'm a chicken. April the 23rd, 1974, I saw myself lost. Headed for a devil's hell, a Christless eternity. And I said, nope, buddy, that's not for me. I'm afraid to stand before God in judgment. And him to ask me, what did you do with my son, uh, Jesus, which is called the Christ, that died for you, that, that, that was virgin born, that lived sinless among you, that died as a substitution for all sinners? Why didn't you trust him as your Savior? I didn't want to stand before God and try to answer him because I couldn't. I was a chicken. And see, I was afraid of going to hell. I'll be selfish. <laughs> I want to go to heaven, dude. 
I've heard people say, I want just what's coming to me, nothing more, nothing less. Not me, friend. May God give me all the grace and mercy that he can. I want it piled up on me and around me. And I heard about a revival down at Freedy. It's over in Van, West Virginia. It was going on. And I said, man, I'm going to that. I'm going to that. I don't want to die lost. I don't want to die and go to hell. I'm a chicken. You know what? I got gloriously saved that night. Not been the same since. And I'm, I'm happy about that. I mean, I'm happy about that. Now, if that doesn't scare you enough, let me tell you a couple other things really quick. If you make it over to chapter 9, you'll find that there's going to be one of those wars mentioned there when another one-third of the world population is consumed by war. You know what that does? If we just use the numbers today, if 8 billion people went into the tribulation, which 8 billion aren't, that's going to be reduced by a lot when the church is raptured, I believe. That would be 4 billion people died in less than three and a half years. Does that concern anybody? Boy, I'll tell you what. It's not going to affect me, but it concerns me about you if you're lost. Let me, let, me, let me tell you, let me be real simple and honest with you. You don't want to be here when the light goes out and the salt shaker gets empty. The church is known as light and salt. Now here's what light does. Light reveals. Okay, How many of you like light better than darkness? Say amen. There's something about darkness, isn't there? Salt, you know what it does? It retards corruption. Brother, sister, listen. When the church is gone, the Holy Spirit is going to remove himself from restraining. Y'all think it's bad today. Don't y'all think we're in a mess in the world if you do say amen? I mean, we're in a genuine mess. Can you imagine how messy it would be if the church who is the salt and the light wasn't here to hold it back because the Spirit of God dwells in us. You see, He's the restrainer. don't have time to show you that biblically. Trust me because I'm writing the Bible. Can you imagine working a day for just enough bread to feed yourself, let alone your family? Can't you all see what's happening, say, with Amazon? how that uh, the Antichrist can control all economy and shut your account down and keep you from buying anything if you don't go along with Antichrist, his program, and all that he says, if you refuse his mark. Can you all imagine that? Boy, I can. I'm telling you, the foundation of all of that is in place. But if you go back over to Revelation chapter 9, and I'm going to tell you what, you know it's going to get so bad that people are going to gnaw their tongue for pain? Chapter 6 tells us there'll be men, kings, mighty men, captains, and whatnot. They'll go into the mountains and cry for them to fall on it and to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. 
You get over in chapter 8 and 9, 9, I believe it is, and maybe 11, I'd have to look. And the sun's going to get so hot that it'll scorch men. And instead of begging for mercy, it'll get so bad, they'll curse God to his face. Come on, Judy. Say, what do you tell me, preacher? I'll just put it plain with you. If I were you, knowing what I know today, I'd get it to this altar and say, God, have mercy on my soul. Hey, Come on, Judy. Sinner friend, I beg you. I mean to tell you, I beg you. If you come lost, please, please don't leave that way. You say, preacher, I'm not nearly as old as you are. Well, my age, hardly anybody is nowadays, but I've heard that all my life doesn't mean it's not true I've heard it all my life and I'm more sure he's coming today than any other day I've ever lived I'm more sure that the second coming of Christ is closer now than any other day I thought we'd never make it through the 1990s I just thought maybe somebody here today wasn't even born, born back then I mean really what I'm saying is it's real You see, you know something's going on in your heart and your life. You didn't come here by accident. You said, Preacher, I didn't understand a lot that you said. I believe you understood when I said Christ died for you. He was buried on the third morning, came out from among the dead, and he'll save whosoever will call on him. I believe you understand that. And I believe you understand that some way or another, in a way that's unexplainable by you or even by me, but I know God does it because He did it to me. He'll do it to others. He has and is. There's something going on inside of you. There's a spirit speaking to you, trying to convince you that that old preacher, he's old, but he's right. There's work going on inside of you. It's not work that I'm doing. It's work the Holy Spirit's doing. The work that this book's doing. I've I've read hundreds, maybe even thousands of books in my lifetime. I love reading. I always come back to this one. But I've never read a book that has the power that this book has. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce to the very heart of man. It goes on to say more in Hebrews 4.12, and I'll not quote it. But today, if you don't know Christ... Come, let us show you how that you can do that. Every head bowed, nobody looking around.